Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Luke here. And remember, last week we gave an intro to the book of 1 Timothy. So this week I want to talk a little bit more about 1 Timothy, but we'll also mention Titus as well. So just to recap, remember that after Paul's third missionary journey, Paul is put under house arrest in Rome. So he's in Roman captivity, but it's it's kind of a, a casual captivity in, in some sense, if you want to say, where he it seems that he's still able to have people visit with him. He's still able to send letters. So he's under sort of a, a house arrest. And then he's most likely released for a period of time. We don't know exactly how long. But during this time when he, he's released, he writes Timothy a letter instructing him and encouraging him. This is the letter that we know as First Timothy. And remember, Paul had commissioned Timothy to help the church in, in Ephesus. So remember, false teachers were starting to infiltrate and to spread these incorrect views about the gospel and about Jesus in Ephesus. And remember, Ephesus is a place where Paul spent a long period of time. So this was a place near and dear to Paul's heart, and they're starting to experience problems. So Paul sends Timothy to help resolve these issues. And keep in mind that Timothy is still a pretty young man at this point. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul writes, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, this term here for youth could be applied to somebody up to the age of 40, but most often in this culture, this term applied to somebody under the age of 29. Okay, so Timothy is still a pretty young man at this point, and he has a big job in front of him, correcting issues in this in the church at, at Ephesus. This is a, a big city. It's a happening place. This is a, a well-known church, and Timothy, as a young man, is given this role of trying to, to correct some of these issues. And if you think about it, Timothy is given the role of installing or, or appointing elders in the church in, in Ephesus, and Timothy is likely younger than most of these elders that he's appointing. So this is a tough spot to be in, but Paul believes in Timothy, and he writes to him to, to encourage him and to instruct him. He charges Timothy to deal with these false teachers and also to appoint elders or overseers in the church to help lead the church in the right direction in the future. Now, I want to go over the qualifications of elders or overseers a little bit more. So there's a a couple different lists that Paul writes here in the New Testament. One is in 1 Timothy 3, and then the other one is in Titus 1. So he, he gives, in both cases, qualifications for elders or overseers within the church. Because if you remember, Titus is in a pretty similar situation as Timothy. So Paul left Titus on the island of Crete to install elders or appoint elders in the different churches there. So Titus is in a pretty similar situation as Timothy. So Paul writes to both Timothy and Titus, and he charges them to appoint elders in in their respective churches 
And so he gives them a list of here are the qualifications for what you should look for in someone who is to be an elder. So I want to go through this list. I'm going to use the, the list from 1 Timothy 3 kind of as our guide here. But the, the list in Titus 1 is very similar. Now, first of all, just to clarify and, and just to remind us, remember that the terms elder, overseer, bishop, pastor, those terms are all used interchangeably in the New Testament. Okay, They all refer to the same leadership position, and that position is the, the main leadership position within the church. And the New Testament does give us an example of having a, a plural of elders, not just one, but having multiple elders who lead a church. Now, to start off here in 1 Timothy 3, Paul says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder or pastor, he desires a noble task. And he says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Now, most commentators think that this statement, that an overseer must be above reproach, that this is kind of a, a summary statement that overarches the rest of the qualifications. And this is also the first thing mentioned in Titus 1 as well, that an elder should be above reproach. So this is talking about a life that is blameless, in a sense, okay? It doesn't mean perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's ever lived a perfect life except Jesus, but it means that you live in such a way that no one can honestly bring a charge or an accusation against you. So elders and overseers should be men who are highly esteemed in their communities and who live lives of the highest integrity. We want men who lead the church who will live in such a way that they won't damage the reputation of the church. So that's the first qualification that he lists, to, to live a life above reproach. And like I said, that's kind of a, a summary statement for the rest of, of the qualifications that he will list. Now, the next one he says is the husband of one wife, or in a, in a more literal sense, it's a one woman man. Okay. So the most likely interpretation here is Paul means that an elder should be faithful to his wife. Now, some people will argue that Paul is talking about polygamy here, but that's pretty unlikely because polygamy was actually against Roman law. And the practice of monogamy, the practice of only having one spouse, was the norm for both Jewish and for Greek people at this time. So it, it seems pretty unlikely that Paul would write to address something that wasn't really an issue in this culture. Now, some other people will argue that this phrase, a one-woman man, means an elder can only be married to one woman during his entire lifetime, which would prohibit a divorced man from ever serving as an elder. But this is an unlikely interpretation as well. Now, of course, the topic of divorce can be relevant to whether a man is fit to serve as an elder, depending on, on the circumstances. But in other places, Paul encourages widows and, and widowers to remarry. So it's unlikely that he's addressing this topic here. So the most likely interpretation is that he means for a man to be faithful to his wife. An elder should be faithful to his wife. Now, a couple other things here. He's not saying that an elder must be married because later on in this same section, Paul says that an elder must have submissive children. But not being able to have children certainly wouldn't prevent somebody from serving as an elder. So what he's saying in that case is that if an elder has children, they must be subject to his authority, to his discipline. 
And in the same way, if an elder has a wife, he must be faithful to her. And if you think about it, it would be pretty hard to support an interpretation that would prevent both Paul and Jesus from serving as an elder, right? Because neither one of them were married. So he's not saying that an elder has to be married, but if an elder is married, he should be faithful to his wife. Now, notice that the text says husband of one wife or a one-woman man. It just assumes male eldership. So the Bible makes it pretty clear that men are to be the, the leaders, the elders, the, the overseers of the church. Now, I, I want to be clear here. Men and women are, of course, both made in the image of God. They're both of equal value. They both have an equally important role to play in the church and, and in fulfilling the Great Commission. But they have different roles. Women, women have an absolutely critical role to play in the church and in, in making disciples of, of all nations. But scripture makes it pretty clear that men are to be the, the elders, the overseers in the church, the ones who bear the ultimate responsibility for the direction of the church. Okay, so that's what Paul means when he says a one-woman man or husband of, of one wife. Now, the next qualification is to be sober-minded. An elder, an overseer is to be sober-minded. So an elder or overseer shouldn't be somebody who struggles with drunkenness, but somebody who's clear-minded and, and has good judgment and can make good, clear decisions. The next qualification is to be self-controlled, somewhat related. It means not being controlled by your passions or your lusts or idolatries. The next one is, is respectable, meaning that this man should have qualities that evoke admiration. I, I think this kind of goes back again to the, the overarching idea of living a life above reproach. You're respectable. The next one is hospitable, which, which means that you're open to caring for the needs of others. You're not closed off to people, but you, you're open to helping others. You open your home to help other people as well. You're hospitable. The next one is, is able to teach. And Titus 1.9 also mentions this, and it gives us a little bit more insight into exactly what Paul means here. It says in Titus 1.9 that it means the ability to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And then in 2 Timothy 2.25, it also mentions that skill in teaching involves correcting one's opponent with gentleness. So the ability to teach here for an elder means not only somebody who's able to instruct in proper doctrine, but also somebody who's able to address false doctrine when it arises. Somebody's going to be able to help protect the church from false ideas, false teachings, and, and false gospels. So that's able to teach. The next qualification is not a drunkard. So again, the idea of being self-controlled is in view here. And it really means not giving in to drinking too much wine. That's what this phrase means. And then the next qualification is not violent, but gentle. And then it goes on and says not quarrelsome. So for an elder overseer, you want somebody who is gracious. It doesn't mean that they just ignore sin, of course, but it means they're, they're not combative. They're not somebody who's just looking for an argument, for an argument's sake, or not somebody who's looking to, to pick a fight. Okay, You want somebody who's going to be gracious and, and patient as they deal with people. The next one is not a lover of, of money. If you remember later in 1 Timothy, in, ch in chapter 6, verse 10, it says, love of money is the root of all evil. 
So for an elder or, or, or overseer, you want men who will seek God's glory, not greed. The next qualification is he must manage his own household well. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that an elder's household is perfect or, or even that all of his kids are necessarily going to grow up to be believers. But it means that an elder is one who leads his home well and, and disciplines and, and cares for and loves his, his family and his children. So Paul is really saying that the home is the proving ground of a man's leadership potential in the church. Think about that. The home is the proving ground of a man's leadership potential in the church. Paul goes on and says, If someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So this just goes to show the importance of family in Scripture. Family is is the core unit that God uses within within the church to advance his kingdom. Family always comes first. If we can't lead our families as men, then how are we going to lead the church? So someone as an elder or overseer must be able to lead and love his family well. Next, an overseer must not be a recent convert. This is what Paul says. Now, he, he doesn't give a specific amount of time. He doesn't say you have to have been a believer for X number of years. But the term elder, of course, implies maturity. So it should be somebody with proven character. Now, somebody could be a recent convert and, and have some great leadership potential, and, and that potential should be developed. But the reality is, is that it takes time to develop spiritual maturity. So Paul's saying, don't just throw a recent convert into this position, even if they have tremendous potential, even if they're extremely intelligent and, and seem like they will one day be a great elder, they need time. Maturity takes time. The next qualification is that an elder should be well thought of by outsiders. Now, again, this doesn't mean that they're a people pleaser, that they just cave into people because they're, they're trying to look good. But it really goes back to that idea, again, of being above reproach. It's somebody who has a good reputation. If you think about it, if somebody with a bad reputation in their own community is made an elder, that's, that's going to damage the witness of the church. It's going to be pretty tough for that church to reach the community if everyone is like, that guy is, is not a good guy, right? So you want somebody who's above reproach, again, somebody who's well thought of, who has a good reputation with their community. So those are, are the main qualifications that Paul lists. And again, notice they all kind of fit under this broad banner of above reproach. And again, the list in Titus 1 is, is pretty similar to the one here in 1 Timothy 3. Now, I want you to notice something else. Really, the, the main qualifications for being an elder or pastor or an overseer, they all come back to one thing, and that's character. Character. Now, it does also mention the ability to teach, but that's, that's really the only gifting mentioned here. And he doesn't say that somebody needs to be a world-shattering, incredible, motivational speaker. So the church, we have to keep in mind, the church doesn't just need electrifying speakers. Okay, It needs men of character, men of holiness. Pastors and elders can't teach what they don't do. If they don't do something themselves, how can they teach it? You can't teach it, at least not with credibility. That's why character is the first and foremost requirement. 
Paul makes it clear that, that being an elder or overseer is less about being incredibly gifted, and it's more about being a man of God. So we have to remember sometimes it, it's easy to, to fall for somebody who's a smooth talker or a, a gifted communicator or somebody who has good people skills. And I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are great things, and they can be used in tremendous ways to advance the kingdom. But those things mean nothing if they're not on top of a foundation of character. Character has to be first. Character is the first and foremost requirement for being an elder or overseer. And that's what Paul is really getting at here. So Paul instructs Timothy to appoint elders in Ephesus who have godly character and live lives above reproach. He tells Timothy to appoint these type of men to help lead the church in the right direction moving forward. Now, just a couple of of quick comments here on, on Titus. Remember, like I said, Titus is in a pretty similar situation as Timothy. He is on the island of Crete, and he's also been tasked to appoint elders in in different towns. And Crete was a place that Paul had visited on his first missionary journey. So he appoints Titus to go back to this place and to appoint some elders. And he's writing to encourage Titus and, and give him practical advice, including very similar advice about appointing elders, similar to the advice he gave to, to Timothy. So th- there's pretty similar context behind the writings for First Timothy and Titus. That's why we're, we're covering them together here. Now, just a couple of closing thoughts. I know this passage talks about elders and overseers, but really the principle here applies to all Christians. As followers of Christ, we should all strive to live lives above reproach. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to focus only on doing what we do for Christ. But we have to remember that we need to be before we do. Our doing, it means nothing if it's not done with character and and if it's done without a heart that's in the right place. So our first task as believers, as Christians, is to be in a close relationship with Jesus and and to allow him to make us more like him. Our doing is going to flow out of that, out of that deep, intimate relationship. So sometimes we get so caught up in in doing and trying to, you know, change the world that we can leave our relationship with God and our character behind so we have to remember it is important that, that we stay rooted in the Word of God, that we make spending time with God on a daily basis our, our first priority. If you do that, if you make spending time with God your first priority, you're not going to know everything. You may not be the most gifted person around. You're not going to have all the answers, but you will have a deep relationship with God, and nobody can ever take that away from you. And your work for God will flow out of a heart of being with God. So again, I I don't want to discourage, I don't want to downplay the importance of doing things. Of course, we need to strive to advance the kingdom and to spread the gospel. But all I'm saying is we have to make our first priority being with God, having a deep relationship with him, having a, a character that reflects Christ. Because we can, we can do all the tasks in the world, but if we don't have a heart that's close with God, it means nothing. 
So I want to encourage you, spend regular time, quality time with God and in the Word. And I also encourage you to have people around you to help hold you accountable. Whether that's through a a D group, a discipleship group, or a small group, or some kind of mentoring relationship, whatever that looks like for you, I encourage you, have other people around you. We need each other's help in this journey as, as we walk to be closer with God. So that's all for now. Tune in next week as we cover 2 Timothy. Remember, we want to help you get into the word until it gets into you. And we want to equip you so that you can go out and you can be a world changer.